Welcome to today's episode of Hey Ashley J. My name is Ashley, and in this podcast, I'll be sharing my experience and explore topics as a 20-something Asian Canadian just trying to figure life out. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the first episode of my podcast. To be honest, I would say I'm nervous. However, that would only be true if this was my second or third recording of this podcast. However, I am at my sixth or seventh take at this point, and I'm so tired of saying the same shit over and over again that I just want this to be done and over with. So here I am, but I guess I want to explain the initial nervousness, which is the fact that, you know, I'm a pretty private person, and now I'm deciding to have my thoughts out there for the whole internet to hear. So that's a little bit scary, but... A part of me is also saying, well, who cares about what I have to say? There's so many podcasts out there, and if I just want to talk about something, I should just do it. So here I am. Uh, I've been pretty interested in starting a podcast for a while because I have a lot of things that I actually want to talk about that I don't realize that I want to talk about. But again, because I'm so closed off and reserved, I actually don't get as many opportunities to talk about them. So this is my solution. I'm starting a podcast so that I can talk about whatever I want, whenever I want to. So we're celebrating a few things today. A few meaning just two, really. The first being, you know, hey, it's the first episode of my podcast. Hooray, we did it. But it's also my 24th birthday today. If I have recorded this on time and somehow, you know... I'm satisfied with it by the time it's my birthday. And in light of turning the age that I am turning, which is 24, I want to share some things that I've learned in the past year as a 23-year-old. And just a disclaimer before I start listing down some stuff, uh, though these things are things that I've learned over the years, I still find myself constantly relearning them because I'm not perfect and I'm only human. And I think some of us can relate in the sense that we know better, but we don't necessarily do better. And also, know that these things that I've learned are not absolutes, and you don't even have to agree with them. Uh, I'm happy to learn different opinions on what I've said and totally have a discussion on it. So feel free to leave some thoughts on my Instagram at HeyAshleyJane and comment on the post for this episode. So, reflecting on 23... 23 was an absolute shit show. 23 is probably one of the most challenging years that I've had to date. And though I've had some tough years in the past, I think 23 takes the cake for the following reasons. One, I was going through my last year of university, so I was under a lot of stress trying to complete all of my projects and preparing to graduate. Two, I went through a breakup halfway through my last year of university, two days before Christmas, so that affected my last semester of university. And three, the world went through a pandemic, and so that affected all the potential opportunities that I was trying to get after I graduated. And so when all of these things happen, one right after another, it's very discouraging, and it really beats down on your soul to have all these shitty things happening at the same time. And I know 
the universe is not out to get me. Like, there, there's no personal vendetta to ruin my life. I'm only a small blip in this whole world when you're looking at the big picture. But like, in that moment, it really felt that I was having the worst fucking time. And on a mental health level, I was probably in the worst shape that I've ever been in a really long time. I was just very unmotivated to do things that I was usually excited to do. And that made me sad, but I didn't want to do anything about it. Or it felt like I couldn't do anything about it. My insecurities got the best of me. The imposter syndrome really came out. And even though I've worked my ass off and get my degree, I still felt so unequipped to do what I want to do. Just discouraged myself and psyched myself out of opportunities that could be good for me. I just thought like, oh, I don't feel like I'm up to par with all of these other people. So why do I even bother applying here or applying there? And then there was a point where I applied for some stuff, but I could, at this point, make a really fancy mosaic of all the rejection letters that I've gotten. And I know it's part of life, you know? You will get rejected, and you will hear so many more no's before you hear that yes. But I think when so much things are already happening, such a regular thing as a rejection from a job is enough to tip you over. And that's kind of how I felt. And so for a while, I stopped looking at opportunities. I didn't want to better myself. All I wanted to do was just like evaporate and like disappear. Not like in a suicidal way, but existing was starting to get very exhausting. Everyone around me seems to be doing better than I am. And I know that sets me up for failure because comparison is the thief of joy. But it's so easy to just shit on myself and make myself feel bad about other people's achievements and never give myself credit for anything that I've done, even though I should. So, you know, my negative critical voice really took the center stage for most of the year. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I... I'm still just trying to figure that out, but I'm taking it one day at a time, trusting the process, and, you know, just giving myself that time and space to allow myself to just feel all of these things that I'm feeling until I'm ready to just move on from them. I think that if the pandemic really taught me anything, it's to just take it slow and not focus so much on things that haven't happened yet, especially things that are out of my control. And on that note, we're going to segue into the actual list of things that I wrote down that I've learned as a 23-year-old. And the first thing that I wrote down is that you have to accept the impermanence of most things. And I say most because I feel like someone's going to say, well, this and this and this is permanent, so, you know, whatever you said is wrong. So I'm saying most things are temporary and not all things are temporary. And so in my personal experience, it's easier for me to get over the impermanence of situations and objects. 
uh, I don't necessarily have a strong emotional attachment to them, so getting over these things is a bit easier for me. But the impermanence of people and relationships is a harder lesson for me to learn. And I say that because even though I've known this and I learned this, I still make the same mistake of expecting things from people and expecting things to last, and then it doesn't. I think a reason why it's a hard lesson for me to learn is probably because of my abandonment issues and my anxious attachment style, but that's a different can of worms that I don't want to open in this episode. But it's hard to accept that not everyone is meant to be in your life for a really long time, even though you want them to. It might be a little cliche, but it's definitely true that some people are only there in your life for a certain period of time to teach you something. And so in this past few years, and recently, this year, I've been really relearning to let go, to let things leave, and to just let it happen. Uh, certain people definitely have been hard to let go for their own specific reasons, but that's something that takes way more emotional capacity than I have that I have right now, so we're not going to go into that. Moving on to the second lesson that I've learned, and it's that it's okay to not become friends or have close relationships with everyone you meet. And so pretty early on, I was good with not needing to be close with everybody because I know how hard it is to maintain a good friendship. And I'm an introvert, so my energy is very limited in terms of socializing and, you know, talking to people and investing in other people. And so that whole getting to know every single person and trying to be best friends with everyone is just not something I'm cut out for. But let me tell you a story about having to become friends with everyone for a purpose. And so in my experience, middle school and high school placed a lot of importance on social circles. And if you're not in the mix of the quote-unquote relevant people, you're just a nobody and no one likes you. To be clear, I didn't care if people didn't like me, but I was very paranoid about how mean teenagers could be, so I inserted myself into these quote-unquote relevant groups as a way of survival. But I knew most of these people weren't my people because no one would actually take the time to get to know me. Uh, I'm just there when they hang out, but I knew that they wouldn't feel any different if I happened to miss school for a day. Now, that sounds like I was fake the entire time as a teenager, and I spent most of my time with people that I didn't like, and I want to say it's not entirely true. I've had my reservations about certain people, but I still gave them the benefit of the doubt because, again, I didn't invest as much energy in actually getting to know them, so it wouldn't be fair if I judged them fully on and it's just based off of very surface level things. But, you know, trash often takes itself out and before I actually decided to invest more time and effort into people, they eventually prove why I shouldn't. So it turned out to be a good thing for me and I lucked out. So because I don't have as much energy to give to certain people, I have a long vetting process when it comes to friendships. And if you know me personally, then you would know this very well. Uh, I'm not afraid to call people acquaintances or just co-workers and just classmates and it's just because I want to be honest about our connection. Uh, I don't want to pretend that 
you know, you can hang out with me after school or after work when I really don't think our relationship is at that level. So I would rather take the hit of, you know, that awkward exchange of calling you an acquaintance, a coworker, and a classmate rather than put myself in a worse, uncomfortable position by hanging out with you when I don't want to. And so most of the people that I call my friends are people that I've known since middle school or high school, so at least five years at this point. And I know five years is a lot to kind of wait to see if someone's actually your friend or not, but I take that time because people tend to change in a year or two, and um, within these five years, we went through a serious transitional point of high school to university. And so I wasn't even sure if whoever I was hanging out with in high school are the same people that I'll be hanging out with in the next two to three years. And there's definitely some people that have dropped along the way and there's some people that have stayed. But some of these people I was reluctant to keep for a while because of the energy that they're giving off the reciprocation was not there. I just felt like I wasn't valued whenever we hang out. And, you know, those are things that you don't really know until you've hung out with them a few times. And when you're adults, you would know that you don't really get to hang out with people as often as you do in high school anymore. I'm lucky to see my friends more than five times in a year, but, you know, sometimes people get so busy, I don't see them for another one or two months. And so, when you see it in that way, five years is not a lot of time when you think about it. It's a decent amount of time. But, you know, you don't have to agree with me. It just it just works out for me, and that's how I do things. So, quite frankly, anyone that I've met in university right now is under that vetting process that I have. And honestly, after graduating, I felt like I've let go of a lot of people. And I didn't even anticipate letting go of them this early, but things have just happened. The pandemic hit, uh, I was in a slump, and, you know, I just didn't have the energy to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt right now. Um, when I say that I've let go of these people, I don't necessarily think that it's permanent. I think that relationships can always be rekindled because you know, people change over time and maybe the timing was just off then and when you meet again, you have grown into people that are more compatible and, you know, now I feel a little, a little bit better from whatever I was going through and I have a bit more energy to give. So maybe I will give it a chance again and reach out. But, you know, the, in these past few months, I definitely was just not in the right space to be giving more energy to get to know people and kind of deepen our relationship. I just kind of wanted to sustain the ones that I already have. And so that's why I feel at this point, I've kind of just let them go. But I think in the future, when I feel ready and I have the capacity to do so, I would like to kind of talk to them again and try to see if there is that compatibility that I'm looking forward to kind of keep moving forward. But over the past few years, I've just really learned to feel less bad at letting go of many relationships because there's just people that you won't mix with and you shouldn't force that if the other person clearly doesn't care to get along with you. 
Um, people talk about having healthy romantic relationships a lot, but not enough about healthy platonic relationships when that's just as important. Not every friend is meant to have access to you, so you should know who you can trust with everything and who you should keep at arm's length. Moving on to the third lesson that I've learned, and that is self-care is not just taking a rest day, it's seeking professional help to make real progress in managing it. And so for years, I've been dealing with my shitty days by doing what was marketed as self-care in the media, which was spa day, painting your nails, taking a nice bath. Uh, but for me, it was a lot and a lot of retail therapy. And, you know, it's valid. I think that taking care of yourself and doing things that make you feel good is important. But let's be clear that you should be taking care of yourself regularly and not only on days where you're feeling like absolute shit. I don't think that people should wait until they're feeling drained to do something that they enjoy. Like, don't rob yourself of that. I think you deserve good things even when you're just feeling fine. So over the years, I felt that my depression was just getting worse each time. Uh, I felt like a cycle that I couldn't get out of, and I was genuinely scared as to whether I'll pull myself out of the next depressive episode that I'll have. So clearly, I have to do more than just get my hair done and paint my nails and stand in the shower for an extra five minutes. So last year, in 2019, I finally bit the bullet and did some counseling through my university, and I'm lucky to have a really positive experience from it. The counselor that I have was an Asian woman, which was very important to me, and I felt lucky that we clicked naturally. Uh, she unfortunately moved to a different institution and I graduated, so I don't have access to free counseling anymore. But the one year I spent going to talk to her did so much for me. I realized improvements in how I talk to myself, and others have mentioned that I've changed in a good way when I thought that no one would really notice. Though it's been months since I've talked to a professional, my experience with my counselor really equipped me to handle future situations that would have caused me to spiral bad, and it's definitely helped me during this pandemic. Even though I spent six minutes at the beginning of this podcast saying that I was doing really, really shitty. But I feel like I could have done worse things, so I'm really glad that the worst that I've done is just lay in my bed and sleep for 12 hours. And so I just want to acknowledge that counseling or going to therapy isn't always a positive experience like mine, and sometimes it's a really discouraging one that would prevent others from seeking help again. If you feel that the mental health professional that you're talking to doesn't make you feel understood and safe, know that you don't have to stick around for a long time and hope that they'll eventually get you. Finding a therapist or a counselor is kind of like dating, and you have to keep trying to find the right one. Again, I recognize that the process in itself is often exhausting and discouraging, so I understand why some people just stop. But I found a lot of value in my experience, and I will be looking into starting therapy very, very soon because, again, as you've heard, I'm going through it and I have a lot to unload considering that we're all still suffering through this pandemic. So we've covered self-care and now we're going to cover self-love. And so my fourth lesson is to give as much love and compassion to yourself as you do to others. And this is a hard one for me. And, you know, 
as with every other lesson that I've learned so far, because if I really care about you, I would do a lot for you. And it's to the extent that I would rather suffer on my own as long as others wouldn't, which I've learned is very unhealthy for the following reasons. One, because I'm invalidating my feelings of suffering. And two, I put the people that I care about in a really uncomfortable position because if they cared about me, they wouldn't want me to suffer either. And I've been thinking a lot about why I feel so compelled to do that. And I think it's because I know what it feels like to be in pain and to suffer. And if I could do something to prevent others from being in that position, I would. But again, that's really unhealthy. Just because I've gone through some stuff, know how to deal with it, and can survive suffering through it again, doesn't mean that I should. I have to remind myself that I am in full control of my narrative and that I am more than my adversities. Okay, this one's kind of related to my recent breakup, but my fifth lesson is that you can love people but not have them in your life anymore. And obviously this was a very hard lesson for me to learn because my breakup was very recent. And so it's hard to unlove people even if they've hurt you. And we all know this. That's why people stay in toxic relationships for a long time, whether that's romantic, platonic, or familial. They use that love as a reason to stay in their damaging environment. And as someone who's been there, I totally get that. For the longest time, I thought that if you've hurt me and you've decided to leave my life, I can't love you anymore and I have to unlove you. And that obviously doesn't work at all because I still have a lot of love for people who are not in my life anymore. That includes my ex and family members. And so I've learned to normalize having love for people who have left, but know that they're not good for me and they're not welcome in my life. I learned to love them from a distance and wish them well, even if I don't hear from them anymore. And so even if you love someone, know that that's not enough to keep them in your life if they're failing to meet your expectations on everything else. If you got a lot of love to give, learn to give that back to yourself and only keep the people in your life that are committed to not hurting you. Moving on to the final lesson, number six, which is setting boundaries will save you from a lot of headaches and heartaches. And this is something that I've learned recently. And I'm embarrassed to say that I took pride in lacking boundaries for a very long time. I normalize taking the bare minimum from others and then wonder why I'm doing so much for those that can't do the same. It was absolute clown behavior and I now know better. Again, if you know me personally, you know that I'm non-confrontational by nature. And if you pair that with my anxiety, you get that person who will take all of your shit with silence. And I was the type that would say, no worries, all the damn time, even when I'm uncomfortable as hell, or it was indeed something that I'm worried about. And I was happy to tell people that I'm very accommodating, so they don't have to worry about being an inconvenience. Like, can you imagine taking pride in calling yourself a doormat? I am so sorry to past me for even allowing that behavior. And the thing is, I only have myself to blame for people stepping on me and taking advantage of my silence. I cried a lot by myself after expecting people to reciprocate the effort that I put in, but my inability to speak up for myself got in the way of fixing that. These people weren't going to change if I wasn't going to do anything about it, because they benefited from it. Now, even if the thought of confrontation spikes my heart rate and makes me super anxious, I try to power through it because I have to fight for what I deserve and definitely not this kind of disrespect anymore. 
Also, I learned that having high standards is choosing yourself and respecting yourself to know what you deserve. I really hate the normalization of high standards as being picky and, you know, setting the bar so high that no one can reach it. But it's really just an excuse for low vibrational people to have access to you. And those days are over for them. And that marks the end of the first episode. I apologize if the tone at the beginning was a little sad, but 23 just sucked and I just wanted to be honest about what I was going through. But as you've heard with the lessons that I've learned, I also experienced a lot of growth this year. I deepened my relationships with my friends and I got to know myself a little bit better. I think it's important to feel out your lows and not suppress them so that you can make space for the highs. Anyways, I don't know what I'll talk about next, but I'll avoid serious topics all the time so that it's not so depressing. But thank you for tuning in and I hope I'll see you next time. Bye!